it's not just about what he does in the batter's box. But the thing I'm proudest of and, and why we wanted to, to, to keep him here roughly for the rest of his career. Welcome to Roughly a Podcast. That was Jerry DePoto reminding you why this podcast is named what it is. My name is Brandon Boyd, and I'm joined by Phil Smeraldo, who has a Chuck Roast recipe he wants to share with us. Well, do you want me to start off the podcast with like, or should we tease them and be like, this is kind of like what's waiting for you? I can't think about like marketing podcast production. Me, myself, I'm so curious to know what's going on here. I can't, I just can't hold it anymore. We have to get this done now. Okay. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. First of all, I wanted, I actually, I had to make a late game audible because I wanted to do beef short ribs because those are really good to kind of braise because they have like, Back, back it up, back it up. There's, there's an occasion for this, right? This is, this is for your mom. Oh, it's my mom's. We're, we're celebrating my mom's birthday. Yeah, okay, yeah. I should have okay. started with that, but yes. I mean, her birthday was last week, but we just got everyone was too busy, so she's coming over to my house, and we're doing this. Okay, so continue with the, the short ribs. Okay, so I was gonna do beef short ribs because beef short ribs have this like interesting quality to them, where they're super wonderful if they're done right, but if they're done poorly if they're not prepared in a proper way they're like the worst cut of meat there is because they have these like fibrous they're extremely fibrous so like every all the connective tissue in the beef short rib is like extremely tough unless you prepare it the right way and that's to braise them for like four hours now the store was out of beef short ribs i don't know why because usually nobody wants them for that exact reason because no one knows how to prepare them properly but i did find a bunch of chuck roast and chuck roast is essentially the same like it has the it's like the same from the same part of the cow so it's got the same kind of tough fibrous connective tissues a lot of marbling and a lot of flavor if you do it right so what you have to do and this is the part that people don't don't do properly with the braising is everyone just goes okay put it in the braising liquid and let it go into the oven first you have to brown the meat okay that's super super important you have to lock in like some of that flavor and also like if you're just going to put it in the, in the liquid right off the bat, you're going to end up boiling the meat. You have to create this like protective crust on the outside and then let it kind of do its thing in the oven. So people don't do that often. And then the other thing people don't do is they don't do a mirepoix, which is every braised dish ever should have a mirepoix, which celery, onion, equal parts, celery, onion, and carrot. You get those going, you hit them with some tomato paste, bottle of red wine in there, uh, about a liter of beef stock you do this all on the on the stovetop and then once all of that has kind of cooked down to about half you reduce it by half only then do you put it in the oven to braise people do this thing where it's like i think the these slow cookers that everyone bought have completely made people lazy about how to braise <laughs> things properly where it's just like all right put the meat in boom liquid all right close the lid you're good to go that doesn't get you your best product it's a disgrace to be quite honest i applaud you for that beautiful description I'm, i just ate otherwise i feel hungry but for having even um i don't know a fifth of the potential or having this this much energy to make a meal on a weeknight my my weeknight abilities for dinner are completely sapped weekend we'll yeah. talk I, I can i can summon it that's when i that's when i that's when I turn into Bobby Flay, but we during the weekday, I am like a 10-year-old with no parents and I have no idea what to do. Like that, that's the energy I have. 
you know what? I'm generally the same way. Like I will do a lot of like store-bought stuff during the weekdays, but this is a special occasion. I, this is not a normal thing for me by any stretch of the imagination, but I, it is a good opportunity to show everyone my, my cooking acumen. Cause I feel like a lot of people just think, Oh, you know, owns a restaurant, doesn't really know the ins yeah. and outs of cooking. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. I'm not as, I'm not as great of a chef as like the chefs that I employ. I still know, I know what I'm doing in a kitchen, like for sure. Your, yeah, your, your Twitter haters. Absolutely. That's all they talk about is this guy can't cook. Actually, this what I'm joking there, but it is funny that our mutual friend, John Aaron's did describe you as a good quick cook. And that's, yeah. that is, that is, that is the, the people who actually know you, that's the rap on you is that um, you're, 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 well, a, you're a simple dish guy. I'm proving my haters wrong. Cause this, dish that i'm making right now it takes about six hours so. there we go yeah take yeah. that john aarons uh well yeah. that's funny because i have some restaurant news last week remember we were talking or two weeks ago i guess we were talking about the restaurant in new jersey that had banned kids from the restaurant yes. under 10 full stop right so i was thinking this week like yes love it we'll we'll do some like restaurant updates like see if there's any funny stories in restaurants because I, I do think you do you have some good perspective on this I did not expect to see what I saw, which was at that time, like a 12 hour old story. So like that day story, it broke. And so there's a Chick-fil-A in Royersford, Royersford, Pennsylvania, which I know you're asking, uh, what county is that in Pennsylvania? Because that's the first thing anyone asks in Pennsylvania. What county? Phil, that's Montgomery County. That's uh, Montgomery County is, is what okay. we would say there. Is that like, east, is that east or west? I have no idea. It's somewhere around Philly. There's like Montgomery County, Delaware County. That's like oh. that's like the mayor of Easttown accent. That's like Delco. Like that's that's that. Anyways, yeah. This Chick Fil A in Pennsylvania. The way I think about Pennsylvania is like, is it Trump or is it Biden? And like <laughs> the question. further east you go, it's Biden. The further, yeah, the further west you go is Trump. No, nah, it's it's even simpler than that. It's are you in Pittsburgh? Yes. Okay. Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Yes. You're voting for Biden. If not, then like it's a total toss up. If not Trump, um, it's kind of how it goes. But anyways, yeah. this Chick-fil-A has banned kids under 16 from entering the restaurant without an adult oh. present. <laughs> without an adult mm. present. Um, th some details here. The restaurant said the children and teens are loud. They use explicit language. Um, they throw food and trash on tables and the floor. They vandalize furniture, they steal decorations, and disrespect employees. A Facebook comment, though, um, for this Chick-fil-A that basically questioned why they're doing this, this is just gold, it says, as a company that is guided by Christian values, I have to wonder if this action is what Christ would have wanted. Where in the Bible does it say, thou mm, shalt turn oh, away? Oh, that's very, that's very good. <laughs> Where in the Bible does it say, thou shalt turn away youth who clearly need guidance? Which is a great question. How would How would Christ feel about... A Chick-fil-A, a concept Christ could not possibly have imagined, uh, <laughs> banning 16-year-olds from, from its establishment. I think if Christ took one look at anywhere in the world right now, he'd just go back to heaven. Yeah, so he'd be like, no, know. yeah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> that SpongeBob meme. All right, I'm out. Uh, yeah, that, that was just I do hilarious. have a question for you about this. Maybe you'll know. But with the – I don't know about the Chick-fil-A one because that one – they're still allowed in um, if they have parental supervision, but is it, and this, I, I am not a grant. I'm not a lawyer. Maybe we should ask Anya this, but isn't that um, a protected class? Like you can't discriminate based on age. So that is a how thing. are they allowed? How are they allowed to ban children? You know, I think this is a, um, 
fuck around and find out situation. Like, I, I don't know if they, yeah. hired, if they like consulted a, a lawyer, they're basically just like, we need to make a stand. And if anyone looks under the hood on this, well, shit, but we need to do something. Cause we, <laughs> we hate these goddamn teenagers. Um, so I don't know, but it does seem like this would be ready-made for a Supreme court case where that can't be, especially because this is Chick-fil-A. Like there's an opportunity to bust Chick-fil-A for doing something here. Um, but it is also a recipe for disaster. Well, the Chick-fil-A one, I I, I almost feel the Chick-fil-A one is like a little bit more on solid ground just because you're still allowed in. You just need parental supervision. The Netty Spaghetti one, that's the one that I'm like, that's that's right for a lawsuit because you're just barring children entirely. Yeah, I don't know. We should we should um we should try and have the the owner of Netty Spaghetti on. And like if they're if they're like a like a Yankees fan or something, like get it, like tell, <laughs> tell tell them it's like a Yankees podcast and then hit them with like hard hard hitting questions about their policies. Also, but, is Chick Fil A going to have like a bouncer outside the door checking IDs? Like that's what, the how thing. are they enforcing this? That's the thing. They have opened their opened the pandora's box because if you tell 15 because these is 15 year olds like they they said 16 year olds so this means freshmen in high school who i know from experience having taught them are uh criminal masterminds or i shouldn't say criminal masterminds evil masterminds they are (laughs) able to deconstruct situations and find every possible loophole possible to exploit it so if you tell 15 year old shitheads not to go somewhere they are going to make your life hell and they are going to require a level of scrutiny and discipline to keep them out that you could not possibly have imagined. The best thing what you could have done would be to ignore them, throw chicken sandwiches into the corner, um, have them like do a survival of the fittest thing and just hope this problem takes care of itself because you have made this so much worse. That That's another question that I have, you know, have you ever heard of this, this thing? It's an internet term. It's called like the Streisand effect. <laughs> Uh, no, but I will look it up as you explain okay, it. Okay, so Barbara, Barbara Streisand. I've, I've heard it. Called, I just, I couldn't name what yeah. it is. The Barbara Streisand had an unflattering photo of herself go on the internet. Um, and she, this was in like the early days of the internet, not having understood entirely like what the internet community was about, like tried to get it scrubbed mm. from like everywhere, right? Like she was trying to like get her PR team, scrub it, scrub it, scrub it. And the more what the principle is, the more that you try and hide something or or take something away, the worse it's going to become for you in terms of like the popularity of said thing. So if you're trying for Chick-fil-A, if you're trying to ban kids under 16 and that gets popular or if that and, and you're trying to like get that done, more kids under 16 are going to come and try and test those limits 100%. than before. Yes, yeah. all of Montgomery County, uh, fifteen the the tribal, uh, the the tribe of fifteen. The thing is, fifteen year olds struggle to provide their own transportation. Um, but bikes, uh, these kids will walk. They'll skip school. They'll do whatever it takes to get here because this is going to be the thing that they want to do. I'm looking up the Streisand effect. It wasn't a picture of her. It was a picture of her mansion in Malibu, uh, that she oh. that she didn't want online because it was a violation of privacy that everyone knew where she lived. But what happened was that people from the picture could see that it was uh, documenting coastal erosion and it got, um, it got her uh, in trouble because she was basically contributing to the destruction of the coast in Malibu. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, but the same principle still, right? Yeah. I, I don't want everyone to do that anymore phil like i'd never want to fact check each other like if either of us say something that's in- inaccurate it, it's 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 canon we're, we're 
This is the fake news well, podcast. Well, no, but I like that because now I, <laughs> I, I, I know the history. I thought it was a picture, but it's a, in fact just her mega mansion. Okay, we'll continue to to fact check each other. Um, yeah. So good luck to this Chick Fil A because um, they are so screwed, so so screwed. I wonder. So, so screwed. I wonder if Joe Paglioka is gonna is if he's gonna um follow suit he seems that, like the type of guy to do it that is a story for a different podcast uh phil and i have phil and i have a nemesis who is a restaurant owner in uh, the north end of boston uh one day we'll, we'll talk about that but maybe when there's another baseball lockout we'll, we'll get into that so keep that in the vault for a while yeah four he's, more years because there will be one did you speaking of which did you see the news uh regarding labor negotiations so essentially we're headed for another um, issue with labor negotiations. We still have four years until the next CBA. Um, but because of what Peter Seidler is doing in San Diego, um, Steve Cohen is doing with the Mets, um, a few other owners, I guess those are the two two main culprits. Um, Manfred is already starting to throw around the idea of salary cap, salary floor, mm, mm, mm. something yes, that was yes, floated yes. in the last CBA that was roundly, roundly rejected. Um, and Tony Clark is already starting to fire back at that, saying we'll never accept a salary cap, you know, X, Y, and Z. So, so we're already uh, we're already in the thick of uh, the next round of negotiations, whether they have started or not. Fantastic! Um, can't wait for that. Well, let's uh, let's talk about baseball because that is the um, purported nature of this podcast. So we'll we'll hit into the the Mariners. And today we've talked a lot about food and cooking, and we will continue to do that, but uh, through the prism of the Mariners because today's theme of the show is asking whether certain Mariners related topics are al dente or need more time. And uh, my first question here, Phil, before I explain it more, do you know what al dente translates to? To the tooth. To the tooth. Right. Exactly. It means how does it yeah. feel to the tooth? Is it ready? Um, and technically that means that D Gordon struck Gene Segura al dente to the tooth. <laughs> That's right. Did he break anything when he hit him? See, I don't even know if it really happened. I just know that they fought um, or that there it was like a, you know, closed doors altercation. We need more details there for sure. Because that really was kind of the the, the end un- of that era of, it of was. Mariners baseball. It was. The good times were over. There was the, the really hot July to start that. I think they like swept the Royals or something and then everything went to shit. And then that was the uh, the, the start of the step back, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. So this this podcast, I will give Phil a development in spring training so far, like a, a statement, like um, I don't know, uh, Rob, Rob Manfred shaved three strokes off his golf game, like that that type of statement. And you'll tell me whether that take or statement is al dente, or it needs more time. Capiche? Okay. Capiche. Okay. Statement one: the pitch clock is good for baseball. Ooh, that one needs more time because I'm not so sure. And I know I'm in the minority on this one. Um, have you seen a, a spring training game on TV yet? Yes, I watched. Um, I've watched a little bit of every game, but the first game I watched the, a good first three innings of it. Yeah. What did you think? I mean, to me, that felt like it was way too fast. It was definitely estranging. I think um, my my thought with it, and I told you this, is like it seems it feels like we're watching tennis in terms of just like the the pace of things like the, you know, the the pitch to hitter kind of the back and forth there is akin to tennis and how fast it's happening. Obviously not that fast, but like there's back and forth and then there's like a point and then there's a little time to take your breath and then next next batter, which, you know the sport we're watching is baseball. We weren't watching tennis. And so it's a little weird there for sure. But 
what if the baseball we were watching was becoming too much like watching golf? And I think that's where I am with that. It's like, I'm okay with us getting more towards tennis if it gets us away from the sport being more like golf, which is like entirely too passive and just too much for what, for what it was. So it's, it, if it's, it definitely abrupt, but I do think it is what baseball needed. Um, I, I almost wonder if there's a happy medium in here where it's three, they add three seconds to each where it's 18 seconds with outrunners on and 23 seconds with runners on. Mm-hmm. To me, that would feel like I would be okay with that. It's just right now, I, I know everyone enjoys the sport a different way. And, and this is kind of something that has to happen to attract youth viewers and all of that kind of stuff. But there is something to be said for letting the moment build, you know, and granted, you don't want to let the moment build in a Mar or in a April game or a May game in the second inning, you know, whatever it, like, let's just play. Right. But going down the stretch, could you imagine if there was a pitch clock during Cal Raleigh's, you know, uh, game, uh, clinching home run? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like that because at a certain point you almost get fixated on the clock. And instead of like, just letting the the play develop naturally. Um, I'm not so worried about the violations uh, as much. Like, oh, I'm gonna, if you know one of our hitters gets a strike called on him or our pitcher gets a ball called on him, it, it is what it is. It's not the end of the world. Um, the thing I'm more kind of worried about is just from a viewing standpoint. Am I going to be so fixated on this clock that I'm kind of going to lose a little bit of that essence of what makes baseball fun? The time in between, you know, you used to think about, okay, what pitch should I throw here? Why did he throw that pitch in that sequence on that last pitch? And my brain does not work that fast where in 15 seconds I can already just like think about all that and then be ready for the next pitch. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel that. I think that the, 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 the the energy lost in between pitches like like you 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 have to probably consider yourself an atypical baseball viewer and 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 have to come to grips with that of like you are the person Rob Manfred and the people who are in charge of baseball Raul Abanez etc who are Theo Epstein changing rules you're they're not worried about you. You you are sticking around forever, no matter what they do to to the the game. They are thinking about someone else who would change the channel, who would tune out and not stay glued to whatever action it is. And so um, it is hard to come to that reality of like, this isn't really for me, but that is essentially what this is. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's 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 a business development move and not a totally not a baseball purist move. Yeah, I mean, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. Personally, just as the way I've watched baseball in the past, I'm going to have to figure out a new way to enjoy it. And not to say I won't enjoy it. Of course, I'm going to enjoy baseball. That's not a question. It's just I'm going to have to figure out a new way of how to think during and how to process things happening during the game because it almost feels like everything's happening so quickly I don't have a chance to breathe, which is the antithesis of what baseball generally was where it's like, you have a lot of time to breathe. And we watch the, these games a lot of the time, not actually together on the same couch, but watching at the same time across the country. And what what, it actually is a great experience because there is so much time in between pitches. You and I can text each other in between pitches and have a bit, you know, a full back and forth of two or three texts in the span of a pitch or in the span of an at bat. And that doesn't feel really possible anymore. It's a much, it's a much like uh, more of like read and react 
thing. And then, and then we'll, you know, we'll talk at the half inning. Whereas before it was, it was kind of meant for the person who's able to, to really devote the time. And so, I mean, this could be I the end we'll of our, this, have to be on, we'll have to be on phone calls. This could be the end the of our friendship now. is what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But so some results that have come in so far, uh, games are faster by a good 30 plus minutes on average. I think um, I don't have the exact numbers and these were uh, as of yesterday, but uh, the number of games over three hours, like three, like every game was over three hours last year at this point, spring training. Mm -hmm. And only I think two had been as of yesterday. Um, Max Scherzer has said that pitchers are totally in control, which is an interesting note there. Obviously, Scherzer is a guy who's at the top of the sport, um, thinks this is a, a very big benefit to pitchers because pitchers can basically go as soon as they see the batter's eyes and they know batters have to be ready by eight. So they can totally do dictate the pace of the at-bat, which is interesting. We'll see if that lasts. Um, a game did end on a pitch clock violation where batters struck out because they weren't ready. And I think the most important result is that James Karen Jack was burned on a call for fucking around and that more of that. I oh, think he's, he's going to have, that's going to happen a lot. <laughs> he's going to be out of the league. He has, he has yeah. no chance. He's going to Japan. He's going to Japan. Um, yeah. So anything... have you ever seen that another internet thing? Have you ever seen that? Um, the, the, I guess it's a meme of Adam silver where it says, get ready to learn Chinese buddy. <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> that's that's karen jack now <laughs> uh i'm okay with that uh karen jack incredibly annoying and so the pitch clock making him uncomfortable is fine here's here's the solution what if we had pitch clock for weeknight games and no pitch clock for week weekend games how would you feel about that it's funny you mentioned that have you seen what the triple a uh setup is this year no so they're testing robo umps in triple a this year um, but they're not doing, uh, uh, they're testing two different methods. They're testing pure robo lumps, a hundred percent, just like balls and strikes are called by the robo lump. And then they're doing a, a different thing where it's balls and strikes are called by the home plate umpire, but each team gets like three challenges on balls and strikes throughout the game. And those are obviously checked by the robo lumps. Um, but they didn't split it like, okay, first half we're doing robo-umps entirely, second half we're doing human-umps. They split it by week weeknight games, they're doing purely robo-umps, and weekend games they're doing human-umps with the robo-umps checking the calls. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, I yeah. mean... I think that's smart. Like that's, that's the game that's well attended. People have more like time and attention to it and let's have it be the more pure product. Like, I think that's fine. Yeah, then you'd only pitch like Diego Castillo on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> Karen Karen Jack's time to shine is, is on yeah. Saturdays. Uh, okay, well that's the first point and the most tectonic point as it turns or as it pertains to baseball. Uh, this is very Mariners, incredibly Mariners focused because he plays for the Mariners. Jared Kelenic has figured it out. Is that Al Dente or needs more time? That needs more time for sure. <laughs> as much as I would like to say the that truth, might need that, that might need a full time. brazing in six hours. Yeah, um, not only a full brazing, that one's going to need like an entire year, I would say. I mean, you saw the game, you've seen his new setup, you've seen, you know, all of the new ways he is trying to approach the the game. Um, here's one little caveat, and it goes back to the pitch clock that I'm worried about, or maybe I'm not worried with when it comes to him. I wonder if this is going to help him. And I don't like to 
get too psychoanalytical about guys because I don't know what's going on in his mind. But could it help Jared Kelnick to not be able to think for 30 seconds in the box? It's like, okay, he's going to go up and he's going to hit. Like, yeah, and that's what it is. There's probably a lot of a large subset of guys who would benefit from that on either side of the equation, pitchers and hitters, who the less thinking time that they have, the better um, for that specific reason. It's kind of like, you know, if, if you're in a rut in golfing, like you kind of just need to swing sometimes like like the the more you're in your head, the worse things are. So it's possible. I mean, he's he's certainly in the time in between at bats that he's or in between pitches that he's lost. He's spent more time uh, in between days. We know he's begun to journal about his experience and and uh, to to write down what he's doing, which it can't hurt either as a kind of a reflective practice. Um, Jamie Moyer style. Do you remember that? Jamie Moyer was a big journal guy. I didn't know that. And, yeah. you know, I, I've heard stories throughout the years of like sports players journaling about like what happens. And I think it's getting as, as mental health in the country gets more uh, talked about and more accepted. Um, I think players are having an easier time talking and opening up about, you know, their own issues. And, and a lot of them may turn to journaling because uh, sports therapists suggested it. So I think it's a good thing. I don't want to say, oh, this is going to fix Jared because, you know, there's a million other reasons. If we look back at the end of the year and he has a, you know, WRC plus of 120, why that could have happened. Obviously, it could be a new setup. It could just be getting more comfortable with breaking balls. Uh, it could be it could be any number of things. But part of me does wonder if this is going to help him. Yeah, I mean, the the. I think it's obviously it's better than the opposite of, of him not showing results early in spring training. The on Sunday, uh, two homers to right center. He had three 107 mile an hour plus exit velocities. The only five guys who did that in, the, in baseball last year, according to Daniel Kramer of MLB.com, who does incredible work, Aaron judge, Jordan Alvarez, Jock Peterson, O'Neill Cruz. Actually that's four guys. Um, I know those guys and they are mashers of the baseball. And so for Jared to, display that early in spring training is, is exciting. And I, you know, it's, I, I think it's fine to be excited about this and also uh, incredibly wise to be tepid about this because we've, we've been tantalized before. The shift is also going to help him. I should have mentioned that can't, other rule change. The shift is hurt. definitely going to help him. He, he hit a piss missile like 111 miles an hour, but it was right to the second baseman. I think it was in yesterday's game. So he's making really good contact. Um, is that uh, here's how I look at spring training. I don't generally look at stat lines um, because I think it's just kind of useless to look at the stat lines, but what I will look at are like physical measurable traits. Are you hitting the ball hard? Are you pitch? How's your pitch? Like, is you, are you down below? Are you up below? Um, what's your sprint speed? Like, do you look like you're in shape? All those kinds of things are, I think that's the most appropriate way to scout spring training and everything so far from Jared has been pretty shining, you know? So I, I think, I think, you know, he's off to the, a good start, but you know, it's not even March yet. So that one is definitely uh, one that needs to marinate for quite a long time. The other factor that we talked about last time is this is, this is Jared's golden runway. There is no Taylor Trammell, breathing down his neck in this in this portion of it he knows exactly what the role that could be offered to him is and it's to pitch just or to hit basically exclusively against righties and mash and that there's that is, another guy that's breathing down his neck though is are you talking about mr marlowe yeah he had another great game today yeah it's it's true it's true i, I think it would be um 
I, I, there's some distance there just because of, of I don't know what the there's equity that Jared Kelenic has actually done stuff at the major league level. And so handing the keys over to Marlowe, but um, it, it's, it's fine that both guys are doing well and, and we'll see Tramiel at some point too. So we'll cool it on Jared Kelenic, but um, it's, it's good so far and that's, that's okay. We will be back in a jiffy to talk about Prelander Baroa and Evan White. But first, let's take a break for a message from our sponsors at Elm Coffee Roasters. Jorheni Torres, Jorge Rosas. Do you think these are names of international signings from the Seattle Mariners? No, they are names of new coffee flavors from our friends at Elm Coffee Roasters. Elm does a great job of uh, rotating their flavors out all the time on their website. Every time I do an ad read for them, I always check the website, see if there's anything new. And there are two great new flavors that uh, I think I'm going to snag one of these. The Jorheni Torres one that I'm talking about, Columbia Jorheni Torres, has nodes of mango, raspberry, and caramel. Hell yeah, that sounds delicious. And then the Columbia Jorge Rosas one uh, has nodes of caramel apple, red fruit, and chocolate. Both sound incredible. I got to pick which one, uh, but you can pick which one with a 25% discount on your first order of Elm Coffee Roasters using the promo code ROUGHLY at their website. That's elmcoffeeroasters.com. When you hit the checkout, uh, you'll get the promo code option. Type in ROUGHLY, 25% off your first order. So load up on that first order to maximize the discount. Uh, you won't be disappointed. I've tried a, quite a few of their flavors, some of the rotating ones, um, some of the staples like the Nine Swans, and I have never been disappointed every single time. Um, so check our friends out at Elm Coffee Roasters. And now back to the show. And we're back from a, with a quick coffee break to talk about Prelander Baroa. Um, so the statement, Phil, is that Prelander Baroa is him. Mm. Al dente or needs more time. How do, you, how do you feel about the him thing? The 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 himification of sports? Like we just say that guy's him in general. When that means like you're really good, right? Yeah. Um, that one needs more time. <laughs> unless unless it's unless it's used ironically like if you say like dave sims is him like that's funny but yeah (laughs) but for just like athlete has good performance he's him that's pretty tired already yeah i don't like that um as far as it pertains to baroa i'm going to say i'm going to give you a mixed answer it's going to be al dente in terms of what we got back for donnie walton i think that is (laughs) a perfectly viable take that already Regardless of if Prelander Baroa never throws another pitch in baseball, the thought there on that trade was so clearly a good one. And they obviously so clearly saw something that was going to work with him that it's already a great trade um, just from a processes oriented standpoint. Um, did, did you did you hear what Divish said or Divish quoted a, an anonymous American League scout on that trade? No. An, an opposing American League scout said, Prelander Baroa for Donnie Walton might have been the worst trade of 2022, and it might not be close. So two mites in that. So a a very hedge-friendly uh, statement. But for Divish to get that quote, and for Prelander Baroa, who's like never been past double A, um, <laughs> to, to be garnering those quotes is is really something for Donnie freaking Walton. Yeah, well, we here's why it's too early to tell. There's two reasons. We don't know if Prelander Baroa is going to be a starter or reliever. We don't know if he has a third pitch. I think in that outing, we only saw a fastball and a slider. Granted, they were good. They struck. He struck out Xander Bogarts and Nelson Cruz with that slider. But we don't know if he's going to be a starter, which would obviously hurt his value uh, if he doesn't end up being a starter. And then number two, 
we just don't know how it's going to translate to the MLB level. Obviously, the metrics are comparable to someone like Brash mm-hmm. in terms of like not not exact pitch for pitch, but in terms of the like blow you off the page with like insane measurables. He's up there with like a Matt Brash type guy. Similar command issues though. So that one's still a little bit too early to tell. If he turns out to be a Matt Brash, obviously that is one of the most lopsided trades in Mariners history. Um, if he turns out to be, mm, who's an example of a, okay. Um, want, want do you then. remember the guy? Yeah. Want then Aristides Caminero. Oh um, yes. There was yep. that guy. Yeah. So there are guys with insane stuff that just never pan out. Could Baroa Yo- be Johan like Ramirez. Yeah, Johan Ramirez, another great one. Could uh, could could he turn out to be like that? Yeah, certainly, certainly. But is it looking like it is like one of the most lopsided trades in Mariners history? It's starting to shape up that way. So a little bit more on Baroa uh, between High A and Double A last year when he was at the Mariners. Um, when he was just better in High A with the Mariners than he was in San Francisco, so they clearly unlocked something. Um, but between High A and Double A last year, he ran a K nine close to 14 in 87 innings, which is uh, very, very impressive for it to be uh, that high on that amount of innings. Um, Harry Ford said earlier, granted, Harry Ford is like, what, 15 years old, but he said earlier. Yeah, this, yeah. he's not it, even allowed in Chick-fil-A without his parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He needs uh, supervision to have a Chick-fil-A sandwich. But he said earlier this spring that he had the three worst at-bats of his life against Baroa. Um, and Baroa also struck out Bogarts and Nelson Cruz against the Padres in live action. So, I mean, the, the returns or not the returns, the reports are great. Um, it's very exciting. The, the, and you know, like stuff wise, maybe he's exactly, he's been to brash. Like do you remember what, what Matt brash did at the beginning of last year? He was all over the place. So like mm-hmm. this, the stuff has to be refined and um, you know, distilled and we'll see with this, but um, it, for, for, for a farm system, like the Mariners with one, maybe two top 100 prospects uh, to have a guy like Baroa just kind of come out of nowhere is exactly what they need to sustain this thing and keep the, uh, the farm system momentum going into the future. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Astros, that's essentially their blueprint, right? Um, Christian Javier was a no-name yep. prospect. Jose Altuve was a no-name prospect. Um Framber Valdez was not supposed to be as good as he is. You know, that's kind of, you have to have these pop-up guys who never make a top hundred list, but turn out to be stars in the league. It, it, it To be on that level of the Astros or the Dodgers or the Padres now, that's just going to have to be the case for the Mariners. Obviously it's going the right way. Um, we'll see. Let's uh, talk about a prospect, maybe the opposite, a guy who would have made top 100 lists and was a first round draft pick. Evan White, the statement here, Evan White is going to make this team al dente or needs more time. Al dente. Hey. That one's ready to go. Yeah. All right. Evan White yesterday detonated a home run. The defense has been incredible. He looks great. He's playing great. Says he feels great. Um, So things, in in your view, it is looking positive that he is going to make the 26-man roster. Well, I'm going to tell you why it's positive. The home run aside, the home run was great. It was, you know, a really well-struck ball. But watching him play defense, you can tell that Evan White is 100% healthy. For Mm -hmm. probably the first time in since, what, 2020, maybe even earlier than that, uh, the way he's diving for balls, the way he's moving around the base, the the way he's just presenting himself – He's healthy. And I've always been a 
Evan White believer just because of the the exit velocities are 90th percentile. The contact rate is concerning. Um, there's no doubt about that. And that's always been a concern with him uh, since his time in the majors. But it was never a huge concern with him in the minors. So I think this might just be one of those things where he's going to late bloom due to a bunch of injuries and all of that kind of stuff and really start to put it together for a fantastic end of, I, I guess he's, he's turning 27 soon. So he's technically in his prime. So 27 to 32, I think he could carve out a nice five year run with the Mariners. There, there is this question. Is he going to make this team? There's another question. Should he make this team? And is it better for him to start out the season in AAA? Even if, even if everything you're saying is true, he looks great. Is it better for him to get at bats in AAA? No. And I think that's the function of his age. Like it's, it's pretty now or never for him. Um, I know he's missed a lot of time due to injury, but he was up with the major league team in 2020. So that was a full three years ago now that they felt comfortable enough <laughs> when he was, running him when out he was there trapped and, he, and could, couldn't go anywhere else. Cause they couldn't sit him down. Yeah. But that was a function of, of, of the, obviously the COVID season, but it's also, um, a function of the fact that they felt he was somewhat ready for major league pitching. So I, I'm not sure what left there is in, in triple a for him at this point. Yeah. Very fair. So the 26 man roster, just to go through it really quick, I feel like you have the five starters plus Flexen. that's six guys, the rest of the bullpen, Brash, Munoz, Seawald, Castillo, Festa, Murphy. I would consider all those guys locks. Maybe, maybe not Murphy, but I, I do feel like we can pencil him in at this point. That's 12 guys. Two catchers, that's 14. Ty France, Colton Wong, J.P. Crawford, Gino Suarez, four more. Uh, and then Julio, Kellenic, and Teoscar Hernandez. That leaves, that's at 21 right there, which leaves five spots for, in theory, Evan White, Sam Haggerty, Dylan Moore, Tommy Listella. These are just names. I'm not saying these are the five. Cooper Hummel, Perlina Baroa, Cole Calhoun, Justin Tapa, Trevor Gott. Like, okay, so you name nine guys. Yes. So nine for five. We have 12 spots in the bullpen or, or 12 spots on the pitching staff already accounted for, right? Yes. Okay. So you can only put one more guy in the pitching staff. So that's going to be, I guess you have Bryce Miller, Prelander Baroa, Isaiah yeah. Campbell, Trevor Dodd, Justin Topa, all those guys fighting for that last spot. Yep. Now you mentioned Cooper Hummel in that list, but you already accounted for the two catchers, right? I did, and it does so seem. So you're like, you're you're making it a foregone conclusion that Tom Murphy's making the team. Just for what Service was saying the other day of being able to potentially DH Murphy or DH Cal and interchangeably, it it seems like they're they're speaking as if Tom Murphy is a foregone conclusion on the team. I would agree with that. I I don't. I think it's like ninety percent. I don't think he. I don't think he's in that a hundred percent territory like uh, JP Crawford, for instance, yeah. like where it's like. No matter what he does this spring, J.P. Crawford is the starting shortstop on opening day. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's pretty safe assumption that Tom Murphy is going to be on the roster. Um, I think it's also an entirely safe assumption uh, with one caveat, which is health, that Dylan Moore is going to be on the opening day roster. We still haven't seen him in spring yet, but let's count him in. Okay. So now you're down to four, four spots left, one of them having to go to a pitcher. So really you have three guys left. Um, and you th Evan White. you'd think you'd think Haggerty is in there. Uh, you would think, but I, I think that one's more 50 50. I should also put Kate Marlowe on this list, too. Mm -hmm. 
if if you were holding a gun to my head, those last three spots would probably be Sam Haggerty, Tommy Listella, and Evan White, Who right? Else do we have? <laughs> you well, said it was you said it was Al Dente. It is Al Dente, but like I don't know. If if it wasn't Evan White, who would it be? Cooper Hummel? Probably. Yeah. I think for for the versatility. I mean, he's the only like the the infield the being being able to technically play the corners. If it's not Evan White, like if it's not Evan White, Cooper Hummel is probably your backup first baseman. Or Dylan so Evan Moore, White's I guess. gonna. Oh wait, did you put AJ Pollock on your initial list? I did not. <laughs> so yeah. Okay, AJ... So great yeah, audio, everybody. Really? Because I was doing the math in my head, and it all it all came down to Evan White has to beat out both Tommy Listella and Sam Haggerty to make the team. Yikes. And Cooper Hummel. Yeah. I would think that he has the equity of the franchise. Like the franchise is obviously rooting for Evan White a lot harder than they are uh, with, with Tommy LaStella and probably Sam Haggerty too, just given the contract situation with Evan White. But I think if he makes the team, like he's got to pack an outfield glove though. Yeah, he definitely would have to pack an outfield glove if he wants to make the team. Uh, both as a because you're going to have to put him in right field and left field, or you can switch Kelnick over to right field on those days and just put um, Evan White in left. Tommy Lestella doesn't have a ton of outfield experience. I don't think he really has much. And I think the one thing that would end Tommy Lestella's illustrious run in Seattle would be the fact that he has very little versatility. I thought you were going to say racist tweets, but that's fine too. Oh, does he have races? Does he have those? <laughs> no, not that I know of. But oh. <laughs> if, it, if 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 we need it, we can find those. No, but from a standpoint of your question initially was Evan White's making this team. I think there's barring injury, less than a five percent chance that Evan White is not with the Mariners at some point in the 2023 season. Oh yeah, something would have to go terribly, terribly wrong. He will be there eventually. Well, he will be there will because he make it out of. He'll be there because Ty, Ty France will get hurt, try and play through it, and then actually have to go to the aisle at some point. And then Evan yeah, White exactly. will come up. Um, but is he going to make the team out of spring? I would say 51. 51, yes. 49, no. Love it. Just a beautiful, beautiful edge there from down from Al Dente <laughs> to, to 51, 49. But, well, Al Dente, you, have, you made me pick one, and it's 51% Al Dente. It's true. It's true. Yeah, which means it's ready yeah. to come out. It's it's to the tooth. But, um, yeah, I, I this is this is a tough one, and it's not as simple as, like, oh, yeah, I need to make the team. Um, but I think this was a helpful exercise, one, to get me used to remembering that A.J. Pollock is on this team, and two, uh, to be like, yeah, this is this is what it's going to take. Basically, there's, there's one pitcher – Avail- pitcher spot available for those guys you mentioned and then it's the fight between Haggerty uh or Haggerty, Listella, White and Hummel for those last couple spots. That uh we had some other topics but I think that's going to do it. I do want to uh, here's the last one and this was okay. the one you were not ready for. Tom Brenneman is ready for another chance in broadcasting. Al dente. <laughs> <laughs> No context needed. You got to give the guy a chance, man. He's become so, a meme. Like I know. he. It would actually be a, a net positive for the sport at this point, but not just because of that, of the funniness, but also because I do feel like Tom Brenneman has done a lot in, in like it to, to rectify his, his, um, his name and, and get 
and and own up to to what he did and what he said and so like at a certain point like you kind of have to yeah. you know preserve the opportunity but it, this came back in the news this week because jason williams who's a columnist for the cincinnati inquirer cincinnati being uh, uh you know where the reds uh, the are capital of the world yeah <laughs> no, that's that's kansas city phil oh that's but, kansas city oh, okay. <laughs> yes but uh jason williams Wait, are... well, can we pause for a second i didn't even know that there was that reputation of kansas city like i could see if he was if they were playing the giants like he would say sure. something like that, but Kansas City. Yeah, that that was a new one to me. I, admittedly, I don't know the LGBTQ scene in Kansas City um, very well, but I had not heard of that, and it certainly seems like there are other places. But anyways, Jason Williams in this column um, argued that uh, Tom Brennan deserves a second chance, and it was somewhat compelling until he got to the end, and he says. The PC police presence is heavy these days at high-profile mm. universities, making administrators and bureaucrats fearful to give ever, anyone with an insensitive remark on his or her resume a shot. It's like, do you have to make something up when you're trying to make your point? Yeah. Do, you, do you have to construct this, like, fake... Draw, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this fake, like, para, paramilitary organization that's on campuses? It's just not a real thing. Like, yes... It's okay to say, like, listen, this guy fucked up and... <laughs> it happened and it was really bad but like everyone deserves a second chance in life that's where the conversation should end and this he's not this isn't a high profile university this is this is a, a broad well well actually what he was arguing was that like a school like marshall marshall university that that tom brenneman has ties to should give him a shot like he's not saying like he's going to get the reds job back but he was saying like oh. you know some some place can give him a job so it was it was just so funny of just like god damn it like why do we have to like why why can't we make a coherent point without <laughs> using total bullshit to try and do it so we'll see with Tom Brenneman um but uh man the memes will be ready if if I if can't it, wait until the first game he calls where there's a a a, a home run that'll make it a four nothing ball game yeah uh, every drive into deep left is just gonna be just <laughs> gold. Just coal, coal into the fires of of Twitter. And can I say something about that? Um, the Tom Brenneman thing. I remember that all happened obviously during the COVID season. That was during the 2020 season, and it was, you know, a super tough time for everyone in in our in just life in general. And that was one of the first times I genuinely like laughed really hard since <laughs> COVID started, you know, like that, like that was a moment. And it was, of course it was not funny. Like the circumstances surrounding it, he should have never said what he said, but it was hilarious. And no one can deny the fact that it was so funny in the moment. Mid, mid apology, just breaking straight into <laughs> to play by play brain. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was it was it was beautiful. And maybe maybe that's the argument to keep him out, though. It's like that's he's how could he possibly surpass this legacy that he yeah, has um, beyond, beyond what it is? OK, that's um that's that's enough al dente here. We can close this out, get to our bike ride and our hydro of the week. Do you have a bike ride? I do have a bike ride. OK. The batter's eye in Peoria. <laughs> the me the megalith that's back there? Yeah, what in the world? I hate, I, it's the same issue I have with, and uh, granted, this is to a far lesser degree because we're only in Peoria for spring training, but it's the same stupid thing that the Angels have where the ball can come back onto the field of play and still be a home run. <laughs> it doesn't sit right with my brain and I hate it. 
Yeah. The batter's eye should be set. So the Mariners, T-Mobile has a batter's eye, but it's set behind the wall. So a ball can fly over the wall, hit the batter's eye, and still fall outside of the field of play. Because if the ball comes back into the field of play, to me, that's not a home run. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, it's just not a home run to me. Uh, yes, there's there's nothing less depressing than those right field homers in um in Anaheim that are still like in the right field gap as the guys rounding second. Yeah, that's those are yeah. those are really lame. Um, I have two Scott Service just saw a promo of him wearing a Wazoo baseball hat. Dead to me. It's over, Scott. Mm. Come on, why the why you have no ties? To why this. is he pro- why is he promoting Wazoo? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, it's sickening. Uh, my other one though, is that the umpires in the pirates game today, did you see this? No. Okay. So I think it's the pirates and the Orioles and the pirates were the home team or I have that backwards, but either way, the home team was up in the bottom of the ninth, seven to four. And the players or the teams wanted to play the bottom of the ninth just for, you know, get the extra, uh, reps in for, for that bit. But the umpires had left the game they just they were like no it's over it's over so they just decided, they played the bottom of the ninth without umpires which is it's so funny because who was calling balls and strikes I, nobody I, the players were calling their own balls and strikes I, I i guess i have no idea but they tried to do it and uh this is just so funny as we were talking about like the 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 onslaught of robo umps that are coming our way it's like are you trying to to fossilize yourself just by leaving this yeah. game and making us realize we don't need you like but it reminded me of their, their union boys, the umpires, <laughs> true. They're at, they punch the 40 hours and they're gone. It just reminds me though, of, um, it, in the Jimmy Neutron movie from when we were kids, uh, the, the parents get abducted by aliens or something. And the first thing the kids do is just start peeing in the shower. And it's like, <laughs> what would baseball players do if they didn't have umpires? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious what they would do. I, I probably lather their hands in the most obscene sticky stuff possible. It's funny that you mentioned umpires because my golden hydro is actually related to umpires. Is this, is this CB Buckner? Yes. <laughs> I love umpire manager beef. I'm it's, so glad that's best. back on the menu. Yeah. Ollie, Mar- Ollie Marmol and CB Buckner getting in a feud in spring train. Well, it's actually technically, to be fair, a feud that has um, spilled over from last season now into spring training. Ollie well, Marmol. I would I would yeah, guess that because it's CB Bucknor, it's it's spilled over from many years of of terrible calls. <laughs> yes, but I love the umpire beefs. I know there was uh, Scott Service and uh, Lance. Uh, God, what's Lance's last name? They wow. have a beef. Um, is it Lance Barksdale? I don't know. That sounds right. Yeah, so they have a beef. There's like every manager has Lance, a beef Lance Barrett. A sorry, umpire. Lance Barrett. Lance Barrett. Okay. Yeah. So every manager has a beef with a certain umpire. And I just love that that is a thing in baseball. Yeah, that's that's a very good one. Uh, my hydro goes to Teoscar Hernandez. And I had bestowed this upon him before he launched one into the aforementioned uh, batter side today. But he is the king of perspective because Teoscar lost his arbitration hearing against the Mariners. The, 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 the arbiters decided to pay him 14 or that he should be paid 14 million instead of 16 million. And do you know what Teoscar Hernandez had to say? What did he say? He said, you know, 14 million is a good amount of money. And this is nothing to say about the guys who get legitimately screwed in arbitration and that some of the reports recently about how arbiters are baseball idiots and like probably shouldn't be in the chairs that they are in or that, you know, uh, a certain player couldn't feel betrayed by their team um, as Corbin Burns felt by the Brewers in their arbitration hearing. All of those things can be valid. 
But there is something refreshing about hearing Teoscar Hernandez just be like, you know, I'm cool with an eight-figure salary, no matter what it is. And yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I understand why Corbin Burns has to do what he has to do. It's a good leverage point for him in future negotiations mm-hmm. to grumble. And I think there was um, the Ryan was his name Ryan Thompson, the reliever yep. for the Rays. Um, I remember him because he was actually, uh, here's a quiz question for you. Do you remember the other reason people would know Ryan Thompson? Well, I heard it the other day it was that he um, was, he wouldn't wear the pride uniforms for yes. the, the, yes. the, what it pride, whatever it was with, with the race him bef- before again. Him and like, I think Jalen Beeks and a few other uh, players for Tampa refused to wear the, um, the pride uniforms. Um, so that was the only reason I remembered him. And I was like, Oh wait, What's going Tom, on with Tom, this Tom Brennan? Tom Brennan wore his proud uniform just. <laughs> but um, it is an interesting um, concept, the concept of arbitration. I've heard, you know, people squawking that, um, well, the arbiters should know more about baseball. I actually don't think they should. There's my hot take. Well, um, the, the more they know about baseball, the more I feel like there could be some inherent biases introduced in the arbitration process. Like if, a, if, a, if, okay, to understand WRC plus as an arbiter, you would have to at least have some level of knowledge about baseball to have some level about knowledge about baseball. You would have to watch baseball games to have watched baseball games. You would have to have watched these players perform. You might create these, your own, inherent biases about is this player good is this player bad whatever x y and z it's, i almost think it's a better system to have them be really stupid about baseball <laughs> there there is there is some truth to that i totally understand what you're saying i think there was there was another aspect of of that report that ryan thompson gave um or accounting of what ryan thompson gave of his arbitration hearing or he's talking about those those people those arbiters like basically not paying attention to being on their phone during the hearings. That's a, that's a different story. These people need to be, yeah, that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> these people need to be fully present, but yeah. a good point was made on the effectively wild podcast, which is like the one of, you know, great gold standard of, of baseball podcasting. They were talking about how, what is unfair about the WRC plus or, you know, other advanced metric situation there is that these players are making the claim or like the, the these players are using the metrics that baseball teams would use to, you know, determine their value um, but then those, those teams are saying like, oh no, like don't, you can't listen to him about WRC plus like that's inflated. So it's like they're, they're the, the owners can, or the, the teams are in a position of strength because they can kind of like, uh, water down or just deflect away from whatever, uh, types of argument the player wants or player in the representation wants to put forth in those arbitration hearings. Yeah. It's just a whole funny process because, you know, players for the longest time would squawk about how you know, they wouldn't get uh, X, Y, or Z on the free agent market because, you know, they, all these advanced analytics have shown, you know, you can get X amount of production from this guy for cheaper than you can from this guy. And now everyone's turning around. Everyone just uses these metrics to suit their own needs because then they're turning around and saying, oh, well, look at my metrics on this. I deserve a raise or whatever. So everyone just uses it to try and for owners perspective to try and deflate salaries and for players perspectives to try and inflate salaries. Um, It's just going to be the way it always is um, when there's money on the line. So I would just take everything from both the players and the owners during arbitration with a grain of salt. 
Yeah. And you know, some players do win their arbitration hearings. Like it, it can happen. Um, I didn't know this, yeah. but Adam Frazier actually won his heading into last season and had, had was making more than the Mariners tried to, or wanted to pay him heading into last season. And that was, that's been like one of two arbitration hearings that, that the Dems have had to do since Jerry DePoto got there like that. It's kind of wild. And that's, uh, that was honestly a byproduct of the lockout because they didn't have the whole off season to negotiate with him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would prefer our team to, to stay out of arbitration just because you always will have some level of hurt feelings. And at the very least, I think the arbitration process should probably not involve the player or the, or the team. Um, it should just be lawyers from the PA and lawyers from the, you know, major league baseball uh, deciding uh, what players are worth. And that way no one gets any hurt feelings. No one has to hear how shitty they are, why the Brewers missed the playoffs because I didn't pitch good enough or, or whatever the reason may be, just keep everyone out of it. And if you're going to do an arbitration process and just let the lawyers hash it out. There's also um, a very realistic chance that if Teoscar Hernandez is doing uh, to American league West pitching, what he did today, that uh, he gets a very nice extension his way by like July this year. So let's, let's root for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because Lord knows the uh, free agent pool is thin, thin next year. Um. Yeah, and we're gonna need all of our money for Shohei Otani. That um, we'll see that happen <laughs> when Il Torazzo Carmine bans anyone under the age of eighteen. <laughs> you thought it was a good idea, so I'm I'm into that. Okay, uh, well, very good, Phil. Enjoy your Chuck Rose. Happy birthday to Miss Maria. I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. And oh, well, uh, it smells delicious here, by the way. Yeah, I can smell it from here. Let's uh, we'll we'll talk soon and um. Yeah, I don't know. We're 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 inching closer. I'll be, well in two weeks. I'll be well next Thursday. I'll be in Arizona, so I'll I'll have to provide some some. Uh, oh, by the way, are you going to give the viewers a sneak peek of what's happening in August? Yes. Oh yeah, we'll be on TV, won't we? Is this that that? Yeah, we'll September? be on TV. Yeah, uh, Phil has procured. We should turn this into something. if we can build an audience. If we can get a hundred Twitter follows by August, we'll we'll turn this into something. Follow us on Twitter at roughly a podcast. Phil and I will be in the third row of um, T-Mobile Park, second row of T-Mobile Park, because he has procured tickets for he, um, his fiance. They won't be married yet. I'm married. I'm better than Phil, um, faster than Mm -hmm. Phil. And we'll be sitting together. And so you'll be able to watch the roughly a podcast idiots and our better halves on TV for the August 9th game. Who are we playing? The Padres, right? Padres, yeah, we're about to get smoked. <laughs> God, that's so good. Well, we're gonna put Perlando Barrow up. He's he's figured out their lineup. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, can't wait for that. It's gonna be a hell of a time, and you'll get married three days later. All right. Well, we will see everyone before then, but especially. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you soon. See you soon.